In John chapter 5, we won't read the entire chapter, but the first several verses we read about the impotent man at the pool of Bethesda. Christ said, Wilt thou be made whole? He said, Sir, I have no man when the water is stirred to put me into the pool. Jesus said, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. Of course, that stirred up some controversy, didn't it? The Pharisees and the religious leaders, they wanted to know who was it that had made you whole. He didn't know. Verse 13 says, And he that was healed wist not who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. But later, in verse 14, it says we see that Jesus finds him in the temple, and he says, Go and sin no more. The man departed, and when he came to those Jews again, he said, Well, it was Jesus that made me whole. And the Jews began to persecute Christ. We read in verse 16, They sought to slay him. Because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. Now look at verse 17 with me this morning. But Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him. Because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth, and he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your love for us. And again, we thank you and praise you for the cross of Calvary, the blood that was shed. There's so much that we have to be thankful for that we could just spend the rest of the service praising you. Father, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us as we turn our attention to the Word of God today. And Lord, we all are needy people, and we need to hear from you. So I pray that your Spirit would come by and teach us and guide us into all truth. And Lord, I surrender to you and ask that you'd fill me. And Lord, may we leave here having been challenged and changed, and and Lord, applying the Scriptures to our lives today. And Father, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, it's interesting that Jesus, who... The Bible says, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, was still obedient to his Father in all things. His life on earth was a demonstration of what we could have in life if we were just obedient to God. From the time he was just a boy, we're reminded as he left the temple with his parents, the Bible says he went back with them and he was subject unto them. God in the flesh. Did you hear that, young people? Somebody who knew more than his parents, yet he was still subject unto them. He obeyed his mom and dad. He was God in the flesh and decided he would be obedient to his earthly parents. But we also see in the scripture he was obedient to his heavenly father. The Bible, if you'll turn back a page, John chapter 4 and verse 34 says, Jesus saith unto unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. And to finish his work. That's what his flesh desired. They were wondering about a physical hunger. And Jesus says, no, I've got meat, all right. My meat or my desire, the thing I need the most, is to do the will of him. To be obedient to the Father. Look at John chapter 5. Turn forward a page now. And look with me at verse 30. John chapter 5 and verse 30. I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. 
and my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. Christ was obedient to the Father. He was willing to, listen, sacrifice his own will that his Father's will might be accomplished. The Bible says, if you'll turn another page in John chapter 6 and verse 38, it says, For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. Turn a couple more pages, John chapter 14. John chapter 14. In John chapter 14, the Bible says in verse 31, But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. What my Father has said, that's what my will is. That's what I'm going to do. Jesus in all things was obedient to the Father. He was an obedient son. Jesus modeled before us a consistent, obedient lifestyle. Now look back in John chapter 5 this morning, and we're going to take our text this morning from verse 17. John chapter 5 and verse 17. The Bible says, but Jesus answered them, listen to these words, my father worketh hitherto, and I work. My father worketh hitherto, and I work. In other words, whatever God says do, that's what I'm going to do. Wherever the God is leading me to minister next, that's where I'm going to minister. Whatever God has set before me, I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to accept it. You remember the Bible says in Matthew chapter 4 that the Lord Jesus Christ came out of those baptismal waters and the Bible says the Spirit led him into the wilderness. There he was tempted of the devil for 40 days and 40 nights and he was hungered and fasted and the devil came in that weakness and tempted him. And he said, was that of God? It was allowed of God because the Bible says he was led there by the Spirit. He was tempted at all points as we are, yet without sin. But he did it because he wanted to be obedient to the Father. The Bible says when he came to John the Baptist, John says, "Uh, you're not going to baptize me. I have need to be baptized of you. And he said, suffer it to be so that I might fulfill all righteousness. What was he saying? He's saying, I want to be obedient to my father. The clouds opened up and God spoke to his son and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus Christ was facing the cross of Calvary. He said, Father, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He was willing to sacrifice his very life in order to be obedient to the Father. We live in a very different society today. We live in a society that says, well, let's have our rights exercised. Isn't that the catchword of the day? The rights of the people? The rights of everybody? Well, we need to have uh, women's rights, and we need to have homosexual rights, and we need to have minority rights, and we need to have these rights and that rights, and whatever happened just to being human beings with only the rights that God gave us, and the privileges that God has instilled in our lives and our hearts. That's really what we need to do is stop worrying about our rights and wondering why isn't God being honored anymore? And that's what all this right stuff is all about it's pride. Well, I deserve this, and I deserve that. Listen, if we got what we deserved, 
we'd all be lost and going to hell. But God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to pay the price for our sins. So we wouldn't get what we deserve, but instead we'd get grace. And now we are to seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Set your affection on things where? Above. We're so worried about our rights and what we're going to get and the plans that we have for our life. Have we stopped to think, what does God want? What does God desire? I was thrilled to hear this week, I don't know if you've all heard or not, but Channing accepted Christ as his Savior this week. Channing Judge. And I, I, I don't think it would embarrass him if I share this, but he said this to my son. He said, you know, I, I was under conviction a while ago, but I said, no, I've got my life planned out the way I want. Is, is that kind of how it went, Channing? Well, praise the Lord, this week he gave in and said, no, I'm going to do what the Lord wants. Hey, too many of us are just busy. Too many of us that are children of God are so trapped in our own way and our own ambition and pushing for the top and wanting our rights exercised and wanting our will to be established that we forget that there is a God in heaven who has a perfect will for our lives and we must be obedient unto him as Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God in the flesh, was obedient to his Father. I want to show you some things from Scripture today that I think if we would get a hold of them, it would help us. I want you to notice, first of all, something very simple from verse 17. It just says, My Father worketh hitherto, and I work. Jesus worked where the Father led. Jesus worked where the Father led. When Jesus prayed before he was betrayed, uh, and, and before he finished the work, he said, Thou, he says, I have finished the work. In verse, uh, John chapter 17, he prayed this, I have finished the work that thou gavest me to do. Did you understand that? I mumbled a lot there. Jesus prayed, I have finished the work thou gavest me to do. It was important to the Lord Jesus Christ that when he returned to his heavenly Father, he could stand before him and say, I did everything you asked me to do. He worked only where God led. Last week, Brother Vasek was preaching a message, and you'll remember the one about focusing on the multitudes are around us, but going out and reaching that one that God has burdened your heart about. And do you remember the story from John chapter 5, the pool of Bethesda? And the Bible does say, if you'll read it there, it says there were multitudes there. The Bible says in verse 3, and these lay a great multitude of impotent folk. He said every time we see the word multitudes in the Bible, it literally means thousands of people. And I can imagine, I, I don't believe that's an exaggeration at all, if you knew that there was a pool of water and an angel would stir that water, an angel sent from God, that in the first person into that water would be miraculously healed, that would draw a crowd. Don't you think? I mean, if, if we put out on the front sign uh, next week and said, listen, uh, we've had a breakthrough at Bethel Baptist Church, and next Sunday morning, uh, Pastor Fury is going to heal every disease that comes through the door. If people believed it to be true, they'd be lined up down to Walmart, wouldn't they? I'd be getting calls from nursing homes, and they'd say, hey, I, we can't bring them in. You come by the nursing home and lay hands on people. If people believe that, listen, there were multitudes there, I have no doubt, because People want to be healed. And you remember Pastor Vasek illustrated how Jesus had to say, excuse me, pardon me, move, excuse me, pardon and worked his way through until he found that one man. And he says, I don't know why Jesus didn't heal all the rest. And he passed by a bunch, and he passed by another 
multitude on his way out. I don't know why he didn't heal them all, but he chose to heal that one man. I think I have an answer. I'm not a Bible scholar like Pastor Vasek, or I, I don't claim to have more knowledge than him, but I think I have an answer. The answer is in verse 17. Jesus only worked where his father said to work. He was just being obedient. It wasn't that he was uncompassionate to the multitudes. It wasn't that he didn't care about the other people that were hurting there. It was that God said, go reach that one. And he decided to work where the Father was working. Turn, if you will, to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. I want you to notice some things in the Scriptures here. This is the high priestly prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's praying for his disciples. In verse 1, it says, These words spake Jesus... And lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son may also glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should, have, should give eternal life to who? As many as thou hast given him. Verse 3, the Bible says, and this is life eternal. <clears throat> That they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Jesus didn't come of his own accord. Jesus didn't just hand out eternal life willy-nilly. He worked as God commanded him to work. He was obedient to the Father. Look at verse 4. We'll just keep proving it over and over again. Verse 4. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. God gave him the work. Look, if you will, verse 6. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me. And they have kept thy word. Look at verse 7. Now they have known, all, now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. Look at verse 8. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. The words were given by God, and Jesus was sent by God. Look at verse 9. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. Look at verse 11. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. Look at verse 12, and we'll stop there. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept. And none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. We see time and time again the Lord Jesus Christ said, God, you did the work. You gave me these souls. You gave me the word to minister to these souls. You sent me to this person, to that person. Jesus was obedient to the Father. And he worked only where the Father led. The Apostle Paul, when he was finished his work, he says, I have finished my course. Was every Gentile in the world saved? No. But he'd done everything that God had asked him to do. Listen, friends, sometimes we feel like failures because we have so many balls up in the air that we're trying to juggle and keep up from falling on the ground and we're trying to be successful and we're trying to uh, provide for our families and we're trying to do a work for the Lord and through our local church and we're trying to do all these things. Let me encourage you in something. Just do what God has asked you to do. If I come to you and I say, listen, I, I've been praying about something and I think maybe we could use you in this certain ministry, let me encourage you to do something. Pray about it. And if the Lord says no, you better say no. 
Don't, don't do it just to please me. Don't do it to please a Sunday school superintendent. Mrs. Baker says, hey, we, we hear you got a great voice. We'd love to have you in the choir. Hey, I'd love to have you in the choir, but don't do it just because you want to please Mrs. Baker. Do it because it's God's will for your life. If you want it to be blessed, God has to be behind it. God has to be in it. I first went off to Bible college. I joined a church called Baptist Temple of Springfield, Missouri. It was on 900 Grand Avenue. I remember right where it is. The pastor was a fellow by the name of Bill Dowell Jr. How many of you remember W.E. Dowell preaching here back in the early 80s? He came for our anniversary services a couple times, and it was his son that was pastoring that church. And so I went to that church, and, and uh, somebody said, hey, would you help with the bus ministry? Well, sure, yeah, I'll help with the bus ministry. Hey, would you help with the Juanas? Yeah, sure, I'd love to be in Awana, so I helped with the Awanas. Hey, would you teach the Sunday school class? Sure, I'll teach that Sunday school class. Hey, would you help in junior church? Yeah, I'll help in junior church. Hey, would you sing in the choir? Well, I can, I'm in junior church. And, and it was just, I mean, I got ended up in five different ministries after a year and a half I went to visit another church and just because a friend was baptizing his son and I sat in a service for the first time in a year and a half. I went, wow, this is great. What a great church. And I ended up joining that church and spending the rest of my time in college at that church and enjoying it. And I realized, you know what the problem was? It wasn't the church. I had too many irons in the fire. I was too busy trying to please everybody that wanted something from me, and I was too busy trying to, uh, to, to be busy that I didn't take the time like Mary just to sit at Jesus' feet. And that's really what we need to understand here this morning is that Jesus only worked where his Father told him to work. There wasn't a wasted moment in his life. When he was at the wedding of Cana, he said, my time is not yet come. And when he was on the cross of Calvary, he said, it is finished. He knew exactly the time frame he was supposed to work. He lived on this earth for 33 years, but only served for three. You say, why? Because God had a very specific plan for him. And Jesus was obedient to him. And because Jesus was obedient for those three years, he accomplished more than any human in history in the name of his father. Think about that. In three years, because of perfect and total obedience, he accomplished more than any human in history. The Bible says in our text this morning, my father worketh hitherto, and I work. I'm just going to be obedient to my father. I want you to understand this morning that it is not always within our nature. Here's the other side of the coin, folks. I told you this morning to only get involved in those things that you're clear that the Lord... Listen, don't use God as an excuse. Sometimes we, we're fearful. Sometimes we're scared. Well, I, I don't know if I could... Well, I just don't feel the Lord's leading. Boy, that sounds spiritual, doesn't it? I, I don't feel like the Lord's leading me, Pastor, to do that. Don't use the Lord as a cop-out if you're scared. The other side of the coin is this. Jesus was scared too. Jesus was in a garden and he was sweating great drops of blood. And he asked God to let this cup pass from me. But because he wanted to be obedient to his father, he went to Calvary anyway. You can't tell me he wasn't scared. You can't tell me that those nails tearing through his flesh didn't hurt. That he couldn't see the horrors ahead of him. And, and the Bible says he became obedient unto the death. He obeyed death. Because he loved his father. 
The other side of the coin is this. I said, listen, be careful about getting involved in too much to please man. Only serve where God would have you serve. But let me tell you this, when God would have you serve, you need to step out in obedience. Get out of your comfort zone. There are times I know over the years where I have said something to somebody and say, listen, you know, I think the Lord would have you help us in this area in the church. And they'll say, oh, I don't know about that. Several years ago, we had a young couple in our church, Luis and Karina Jimenez, and uh, I, I say young couple because Luis is the same age as me, amen? And uh, they came to our church and they began, got involved and they were good people. Uh, both had graduated from Bible college. Luis had been a Mormon who got saved and, and uh, married Karina and they, they had a good little family and, and uh, we were excited to have them. Just had a great spirit about them. If you, if you talk to my kids about them, they, they just invested so much time in them as their youth pastor. And I, and I went to them and I said, I said, listen, I said, I really think that you guys could really help us with our young people. I think you'd be great with our teens. I said, our young people already look up to you. They love you. And I said, you've got a good spirit. And I said, you, you know, you've got, a, you've got a good grasp on the Bible. I had them preach one time for me. And I said, you're a good preacher. I said, I'd really like you to pray about this. And he said, okay. And so that was Sunday morning. Sunday night, he came back and standing right there with Karina. And he said, uh, Pastor, we, we've been praying. We got an answer for you. I said, okay, great. And he says, no. And I'm thinking, what? But I, I know this is what God wants. You know, I'm the preacher. I think I know what everybody should be doing, eh, bad? And I thought, I, I thought for sure. I, how did I miss this one? And I, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't take the decision lightly. I prayed about it a long time and really thought about it. And thought I, it was clear to me. One week later, Karina came up to me and said, Pastor, can I talk to you? And she's just bawling. I said, sure, what's going on, Karina? And, and Luis is behind her, and he's got this big grin. I thought, man, your wife's crying and you're laughing. What's going on here, you know? No compassion. And he says, Pastor, he says, I've been praying all week. She says, if God wants us to do it, we're in. And he's back there going, because <laughs> he wanted to do it right from the start. But man, let me tell you, did they invest their lives in those young people? And when he preached, the Holy Spirit of God got a hold of and, and just never, you know them, Flo, and Luis never shouted, never raised his voice, but the Spirit of God come into his preaching and just tear your heart apart. He couldn't even hardly speak English sometimes. The first time he preached, he preached from Malachi and he called it Malachi. And we're all sitting out there going, trying not to laugh, you know, Malachi, where's Malachi? He's Spanish, that's how you say it. But man, the power of God came in. And I was thankful that she took the week and realized this is what God wants. I'm not doing it because the pastor wants me to. I've realized this is what the Lord wants. It wasn't her comfort zone. Her father had been a pastor and she'd grown up seeing how he'd got hurt very badly in the ministry and she didn't want any part of it. But she finally realized it's not about me. What does God want? We need to be willing to sacrifice to be obedient. Listen, that's why obedience is essential. Do you understand this? We will do nothing of consequence for God with our natural abilities. It is the spiritual man, not the natural man, that God uses. It's when we're obedient to Him. 
Somebody ran into D.L. Moody one time and he said to Mr. Moody, he says, I don't understand why thousands and thousands of young boys come to hear you preach every Saturday. I don't know why people go to your revival meetings. I've met you several times and there is nothing extraordinary about you. He says, you may be a good preacher, but there's lots of good preachers in Chicago. And he says, their churches aren't full like yours. I do not understand why thousands of people come to hear you preach. Mr. Moody didn't say anything, and he said, well, why don't you just come? And so the man did, and at the end of the service, he was down at the altar weeping, and he accepted Christ as his Savior, and he got up from his feet, and he looked at Mr. Moody, and he says, I still can't figure out there's nothing special about you, and yet the Spirit of God gripped my heart tonight. Mr. Moody says, that's exactly why God works, because there's nothing special about me. He was surrendered and obedient to God. Somebody invited a friend to go hear Mr. Moody preach. And they said, why? Does Mr. Moody have a monopoly on God? And they said, no, but God has a monopoly on D.L. Moody. He's obedient to him. Jesus worked where the Father worked. Some of you will start in the NETS program by praying, and some of you will start by distributing flyers, and some will grow into one that boldly tells others about Christ. But here's what I would like to encourage you to do. Seek out God's will and see if He won't increase your faith. Have you to do more. Have you to step out and trust Him as you lower the nets. Here's the second thing we learned from the Scripture this morning. When Jesus obeyed, The Father empowered him. When Jesus obeyed, the Father empowered him. You know, I I probably did the same thing as a lot of fathers did uh, with your kids. You know, you you get out in a swimming pool and you get your your little guy up on the edge of that pool and you say, okay, jump, jump. How many of you dads did that? Sure, nobody's going to admit it. And uh, those guys, man, they just run and they jump and they trust you to catch them. What would happen if I just went, ha ha! Let them just splash and flounder around. They'd never trust me again, would they? You know, when the Lord Jesus Christ was commanded by his Father to do something, God always showed up. He never just let them flounder. He never let them be embarrassed. He never let them kick and try to grasp for air. Instead, he always showed up. Listen, if God tells you to do something, He'll always show up. He'll always be there. He'll empower what He asks you to do. Look in John chapter 5 and verse 19. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of Himself but what He seeth the Father do. For what things soever He doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. I'm just doing what I'm told, and God is always empowering it and taking care of it. Listen, often we try things and fail. It is na- the nature of, of life. I mean, is even a philosophy that a lot have taken, isn't it? We sometimes say things like, the only people who never fail are the, the people who never try. And I guess that's true in a lot of things. I, I like to play baseball when I was a kid, and I, I know this, that when you're a baseball player, sometimes you strike out. You don't always get to drive in the winning run. You don't always get to hit the ball. You, sometimes you, you mess when you're, mess up when you're trying to catch one or you're throwing one and you throw it into the stands or something. I understand that sometimes we fail, but does that need to be so in the work of God? Think about this. Jesus never failed. Do you know why? Because he was always obedient. Our spiritual failures 
are simply failures of obedience. Somebody say amen. amen. Our spiritual failures are simply failures of obedience. You say, well, I, I, I can't tell somebody about Jesus. I, I couldn't win the soul to Christ. I could, I, I just, I, I, why? Jesus said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. The reason we fail is because we are disobedient to that scripture. So I, I, don't, I don't know if I could, if I could uh, teach a, a young girl's class. Well, the Bible says that the older ladies are to teach the younger. Do you think God's going to fail you? God will show up. When we are obedient to the call of God, God always shows up. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says this, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Here's why we often fail. It's because of pride rather than humility. Because we think we can do it on our own and we think that's not obedient. We are to humble ourselves to God and let his power be seen through us. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father. Not you, which is in heaven. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 1, it says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. What if Paul let all those negatives get him down? What if he said, you know what, I, to the church of Corinth, I was going to come there and I was going to preach the gospel, but I was fearful and I was trembling and, and I stuttered. I didn't have excellency of speech and my preaching was not with enticing words. I, I just felt like I wasn't ready, so I didn't come. But that's not what happened, is it? Look what it says. But in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul obeyed, and God showed up. Paul obeyed, and God showed up. Every time Jesus obeyed, the Father empowered his ministry. Genesis chapter 22, we read of the story of Abraham. The Bible says God called out to Abraham early, uh, late in the evening, and the Bible says, Here am I, Lord. He said, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a sacrifice, a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And the Bible says this, and Abraham rose up early in the morning, and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him. He obeyed the voice of God. Everybody else would have said, Abraham, you're crazy. But he obeyed God anyway. And in verse 17, the script, or verse 15, the scripture says, And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time, and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing. What thing? He obeyed. He took his son, tied him up, raised a knife, and has not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply the seed as the stars of the heaven, as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. 
Abraham obeyed God, and God showed up. We need to learn how to obey. That was a test of obedience. Jesus worked like the Father worked. That scripture we read this morning, and hitherto, my Father worketh hitherto, and I work, tells me that Jesus worked like the Father. In verse 19, he clarifies and says, Then answered Jesus, Son of them, verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth, and he will show him greater works than these that ye may marvel. That tells me that Jesus had no personal agenda. He just did what the Father showed him. There was no will of his own. There was no plan for his life. There was just simply resting in his Father. He never worked outside of the will of God. Never did it. He never tried to press the will of God. He never contradicted the word of God. He just simply obeyed. You want to know how you can find the will of God for your life, just obey God in all things. It's just that simple. Just obey Him. You say, well, I've got these great ideas. Not if they're outside the will of God. Not if they're disobedient to Him. Not if they're contradictory to Scripture. We must obey Him in all things, and when we obey Him, God will show up, and God will empower it, and God will bless it, and God will take it places. I wonder sometimes, I go to vacation and I'll visit a church somewhere. I went to the Solid Rock Baptist Church last July in Berlin, New Jersey. And of course we had the Clark family here and their, their dad started that church. And their dad, let me tell you, he's not a spit and polish guy. He really isn't. Some of you would gasp. Because every time he gets up to preach, he takes his coat off. He loosens his tie. I mean, this big, fancy auditorium, it's a gorgeous place. And you think, wow, they do everything with excellence and it's classy. The preacher gets up and takes his tie half off and undoes his jacket. And he just rear back and preaches. But let me tell you, I, I looked and I said, how would a man like this, if you met him 30 years ago, you'd think he never built a church to 1,300 people. But God used them. The service is there. I don't even know if they use an order of service. It's one of the most confusing things you'll ever see. I mean, we literally, the Wednesday night service we were there was four hours long. And when it was done, we all looked around and said, are we done already? Two hours we were singing, just singing and singing and singing. That was just one preacher, not two, by the way. And we sang and we sang and we sang. And then we're, Pastor Clark gets up, Charlie Clark Jr., he gets up in the pulpit, and his dad, who's the, the senior pastor, sitting right there, and he gets up, and he just comes and he just stands right about like this. And, and he's introducing the preacher. And dad's standing right there like this. And he looks down, and he says, can I help you, dad? He says, we're not done praising the Lord yet, are we? He says, well, if you say we're not, we're sure not. He says, I think we ought to sing some more. He said, I think we ought to get the Vasics up to sing again, and I think we ought to get this family up to sing again, and I think we ought to sing this hymn. He says, all right, Dad. He said, I won't stop the service for anybody else, but I'll stop it for Dad. And we sang another half hour, 45 minutes. Then it was time to preach. Man, what a, what a 
feeling, what a service. And I look at that little man sitting on the front row and I thought, how did he ever build a church like this? Because God used him. Not because he's anything special. He picked on me all the time. I was sitting with him and every time the preacher said something, he'd say, man, those Canadians need this. He'd poke me. Nothing extraordinary about him, nothing spectacular. But it was a man that just humbled himself before the Lord and said, I'll be obedient. I'll go to Berlin, New Jersey, and I'll plant a church in the suburbs of Philadelphia to that rich area, those people who don't think they need God. And some 35 years later, it's just a sprawling campus with one of the most friendly people you'll ever meet. Just love the Lord, love to sing, love to preach. Because he said, I'll obey God. And God showed up. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your power. Help us, Lord, to be an obedient people like Jesus was obedient to his Father. And help us, Lord, to understand that if you call us, you'll certainly equip us and empower us to do the work that you've called us to do. Lord, help us understand that all of our failures are spiritual failures. They're a matter of disobedience to the Lord. And so, Lord, help us to look only to you, to learn how to obey like Christ obeyed. And, Father, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. The altar's open even now. If God has spoke to your heart, would you step out and come? Maybe there's somebody here today say, Preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure I've ever followed the Lord and trusted Him as my personal Lord and Savior. And I understand that He died on a cross to pay the price for my sins. And... I must trust him by faith today. Maybe you don't understand all of that. Maybe you'd like to know more. We can certainly take a Bible and show you what it means to have eternal life through Jesus Christ. For it's through Jesus Christ alone that we must come to the Father. The Bible says he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. The Bible says, for by grace are ye saved through faith. It is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Nothing you can do. It's all of Christ. He can save you today if you'll put your faith and trust in Him. Is there one today that say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm not sure I'm saved. I won't embarrass you. I'm not going to call it your name. Could I pray for you today? Pastor, I'm not sure I'm saved. Would you pray for me? If I were to die today, I don't know if I'd go to heaven or hell. I promise you I won't embarrass you. I'm not going to call you by name. Could I pray for you today? Maybe there's one here today say, I'm not sure I'm saved, but I'd really like to talk to somebody. Let me encourage you, anywhere you look in this room, you'll find somebody that's willing to take a Bible and spend some time with you. Come find me after the service. We'd be happy to spend some time with you in the Word of God, answering your questions from the Bible and showing you what Jesus Christ says that you must do to have eternal life.